This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven. Robbery homicides take you. Give me all you got! Listen. Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. I'm trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's L.A. crime opus, Heat, one minute at a time. Do you guys know how this works? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think so. I want to keep that in. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome back to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard, and joining me are, you know, the, the two that are responsible for this, this ongoing... Um, craziness. For well, future legal responsibilities, we, we, we waver all right. <laughs> so uh, the two that uh, both plied me with booze and secondarily um, got, got really in my face about what I actually wanted to do with my life um, are right here to join me again, my two near and very dear friends, Mr. Stu and Mr. Garth Franklin. Gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. Thank you. And Thank you. I, I have no business being here. Have you seen the guests that have been on this show recently? I know, I feel like I, so underqualified. No, you do. You should be here. I have, if you shouldn't be here, then I've got no chance. I'll just show myself out. I don't even know how I got on here. I'm, I'm happy to be here now. You're stuck in the back door, don't worry. Yeah. I do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> people keep talking about, people keep starting off with the first episode, that very first episode with you and I, and they keep going. Yeah, well, that's they're still, they're still, yeah. they're still that's here. That's a hook. That that's first episode of entire blackness. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and then you abusing me about getting all black, like 30 seconds of I all like blackness. I like to set the tone for any podcast I'm on. <laughs> just uh, just uh, hurling abuse at me. Look, guys, it's the 130th minute of Michael Mann's 1995 Crime Opus Heat. And what do I do with guests? Sometimes I give them minutes that I know they're excited to talk about, I know that they're thrilled to talk about, I know that they're desperate to talk about. And I know 100% that Stu and probably Garth don't give a shit about this particular <laughs> moment of heat. So I thought it would be a really interesting experiment. We've got Edie here and we've got Neil and we've just, we've seen the fallout, the previous uh, scenes that you would have been hearing about, uh, sort of Neil wrangling Edie in this glorious sunrise. World's worst Tinder date. The, oh, no. <laughs> yes. the, yeah. the, the world's worst slow motion run up a hill that was never going to get away. <laughs> the, the can I leave yet? Can I leave yet? And, and now the, the pinkest LA sunset I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah, yeah. It does not happen. It's like glorious. <laughs> Dante's Benotti invented that sunset mm. in LA, which is absolutely glorious. But you get this moment where now in like the literally cold lighter day um is neil trying to you know trying to i don't know uh, make peace with the fact that he's imprisoned this person that he's been lying to himself about for some time yeah it's not one of my favorite parts no it's not the coming down because it's nasty it is nasty it's also partly because she's like probably the most sympathetic character in terms yeah. of just... And I still, once we'll hit the minute, but I, I still think this kind of comes out of nowhere. And I, I, yeah, I think it's a bit odd. I think, I th- yeah, yeah. Let, let's dive into that. Because there's some, I, I the, in re-watching, and I think that, I think we'll cover it in a minute, in re-watching this, the, um, you know, in 2019... The three of us, are particularly, and all you guys listening, are so accustomed to the bombardment of media 
And I just think that like circa LA 95 is a very interesting technological time for news. Like it was literally, they invented that sort of car chase TV at this time. If it, you know, if that it bleeds, if it bleeds, it bleeds, it leads, yeah, yeah, 24 yeah. hour news cycle. You well, know, OJ was like two or three years o- before this. No, no, OJ's this year. Was this year? Yeah, oh, yeah like yeah. it's like in, the, this is an, 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 oh, so it's two or three years after the riots. Yeah, yeah, two or three years after the riots. It's an OJ world. And so as the heat that we're appraising here, I, I you know, we've seen, Edie, Amy Brenneman's character, in a previous scene, just like glued to a television. Mm. She's had three dates with a guy that she might be going away with. She thinks it's a holiday. She doesn't know it's a permanent come away with me for everything. Glued to a television. That massive television on no, that no. little tray there. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, she's, she's glued to a television that for 24 hours oh, has like, been showing the guy she slept with twice yeah. has murdered people. That's the yeah. Ralph model of that, <laughs> of that TV. <laughs> That's all, like, all 12 inches of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a big model. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to check out this minute. You guys know the drill. We're going to watch this minute together, and then we're going to come back and talk about it with two guys who have talked about it with me on this show more than anyone else alive. Here we go. Some cash. When's it over? 22 hours from now. Then we get out of here clean. When will you let me leave? Go now. You want out? There's the door. Will you let me leave later? It will be different. Do you understand? It's such an interesting scene to watch when you know that literally in the next two consecutive minutes is the Ralph scene. The infamous Xander <laughs> Berkeley Ralph scene. Because you're seeing in this moment an opportunity for their relationship to be apart and Neil is still... I, I kind of feel it's like there's kind of two Neils. There's this fantasy Neil, just like this fantasy escape almost, mm. that defies his programming. Mm. And he's like trying to reconcile... That with the impulse Neil and fantasy Neil together in this in this scene, and yeah, it's, this is the breaking of his every yeah. fiber of his discipline. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> breaks in this minute where he's paying someone off who's he hasn't let anyone that close to him in what years? Yeah, like, yeah. he don't get the sense he says he has a girl in every port. But yeah, but they're always it's always a, a tertiary concern more than anything. Yeah, but I don't think I think this is as um, close as he's let someone get probably, for a yeah, while. Well, you yeah. get that sense because. You know, there's a probably a bad version of Neil that kills her, potentially. Yeah, this is like, the thing. That, he's a violent person. This is the yes. thing that's come up. I think it's. I think it's only in that tension, which is what's great about the character. Why we still actually like him is the tension between what we know he's capable of and who he wants to be. And it's that like so it's that same tension that Vincent has in a way. It's like mm. Vincent really does genuinely want barbecues and ball games. Like he wants the, he wants to be able to live a family life where he can still participate. But mm. he's you know he's got he's like a bloodhound. As soon as these guys come in, he's like I'm here, I'm present. This is where I'm hyper alive. Like this is where I'm most me in those moments. And it's, it's the same with Neil. So right now, it's it's Macaulay's f- not that. Macaulay's no. not Hannah. 
No. He doesn't want the ball games and all that. No, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know what his life's like in New Zealand. If it's a quiet, if it's an unassuming guy who just buys a house and sta- no, I'm not like. Hey, James Cameron could do it. No, <laughs> but I wonder if like he would then establish that regular lifestyle, kids, family. I just imagine. Food. I can imagine like a Taika Waititi kind of guy going. Uh, are there any Highline burglaries <laughs> that have mystified us? <laughs> Because we don't even have locks. <laughs> he's going to go and steal New Zealand. It's just done. The GDP is over. No, hoodwink everyone. But yes. that type, that type wouldn't. I mean, as much as they can probably delude themselves into thinking that they can. It's like, as he said, he doesn't want to do much of anything else. He's yeah, it's all he's, got, he's going to sit That's there and just start casing as soon yeah. as he hits mm-hmm. the ground. But I just, I don't know if this scene necessarily robs her of her agency or she gets it back when she's asking because it very quickly goes from here, leave, her saying, no, can I go later? Can I stay on this ride? Yeah. Feel free to leave her house, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, by my own choice. Like he's paying her off going, look, here's the money. Just, it's not exactly hush money. But it's kind of the it's like off. it's it's like finish what you've got to finish to close all your doors so we can get the hell out of here. Yeah, and she's going, but will you let me go? I mean, he's still got the control, and it's really interesting from going from. Oh, the, it's all dictated on his terms. Yeah, well, absolutely, and especially the standing over her while he's yes. got the cash yeah. to then again. We've talked about this before of getting down in characters' eye lines. Yes. Yeah, there's that there's that restraint in him though that I. I keep every time I come on the show, I keep saying that ebb and flow between who I like, Pacino or De Niro. Yeah. And there's these moments like where you know De Niro is about to be a volcano that never goes off, whereas yeah. Pacino is constantly going. He constantly is. Bur- he's like the angry chef that keeps bursting. Pacino has impulse control could learn. <laughs> yeah. De Niro. Yeah, De Niro is the coiled spring that yeah. just starts to move just a little bit. But I don't know in in terms of her agency if it's there or if it's she's just another commodity getting treated like another one of the sort of the heat wags as it were yeah it's it's so interesting because I am deeply still conflicted about it and I think it's like it, it, it feels it's uncomfortable it's deeply uncomfortable scene yeah yeah one of the one of the more raw scenes of the entire film for me when I watch it because also you know when he says and this is where I think the conflict starts from. And I think it's the purity of what Michael Mann has designed in the character of Edie, which we, you know, people have trouble with. And I think it's also her take on the character, which is she wants to believe him. Yeah. Like she's ready for a relationship. She sees this guy like Mr. You know, nice, Mr. Romantic. Yes. He's a bit fleeting. They've had a couple of dates, but I think everyone sort of gets a bit like, imagines they've been together for some time and then she just like wildly believes him like this is literally the third date the third date is him storming into her house after she's been watching him kill people all day and she's got no reason up and like there's not even because we see canned violence from him in yes yeah yeah, the the cocked arm she has has no idea if she's never seen she's never seen it the worst she's got and i know like the neil got there's been times when people chastise him for the booty call, which yeah. I still don't think is a bit of a booty call after the dinner. I, I no, after, I the, after the dinner, there's... He after, wants that life. Yeah, he wishes he's that like, he life. The closest he's got is like, I think there is something there with this girl. I think I can, I think yeah. I can steal it. He's Would a you, thief. Do you yeah. think he I think I can. I think I can steal her as much as I've, I've cased everything else. I think I can steal Edie out of this situation and get away with the loot. 
look at the parameters he's oh, yes, but, he's, but, that's again, but he's, he's treating her like a trophy there's, yeah, one, yeah. there's another yeah. thing that he can take compartmentalise and take with because, him but, yeah. and, yeah. and he's again it's only what he's going after kind of thing yeah. and, and so for her I think that goodness of like oh he was this romantic guy he was saving me off my feet and now he's got this violent thing and so right now she's seeing this like dark side where he's just completely unashamed he's unashamed about who he is in that opening sequence that we saw um, in, in the previous scene where he, he comes in he's well, it's, just, a ki- it's a kidnapping yeah you know? it's a, and, and this is uh, you know distilled down yeah, this it's, almost is like, the, it's almost like a hostage <laughs> yeah this, this is a hostage situation yeah. yeah this is the first time it goes bad this is like in the relationship yeah. when it's the first push during an argument yeah. yes and the girl goes... But the stakes... That's what I love is the relatability is this is the first big argument between a honeymoon... In, you know, yeah, a couple in a honeymoon period. This is the crash back to reality. But the, this is the crash back to reality, but the stakes of this reality are just so gargantuan compared to like, oh, I don't... You know, I'm an atheist. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm an atheist or whatever yeah. whatever that argument is. Um, or, you know, like, no, I don't want to get our children baptized. I've never, <laughs> I've never seen Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> I didn't care for it. Whoa, this is over. <laughs> so... As so this, which is like, it's a time factor on it where you, you yes. know, you have to uproot your entire life in less than 24 hours after our first fight. That's yes. going to go down well. That's going to go down well. And so <laughs> we, I think yes. there's, there's a certain fatalism about their relationship that I think is capitalized on here, but it's like, she's only seen literally a guy who is like the answer for her. Like she's in love with him. Like, she, you know, in fact, completely infatuated with him or taking with him over two visits. And now she's getting the darks and depths. And he's like, I will let you go. I'll like, this is a mistake. This is, you know, I wanted to get out of here. It all went wrong. Da da da. And you can see him pleading here. But and it I, still feels like I hit you because I love you. It, yeah. It, 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 no, it does. It, hit, it oh, is. Boy. Yeah, it does. In this scene, just wants it, you want to grab her and be like, "Yeah, girl, get out of there." Like, yeah. Okay. Well, that's why when she runs in the previous scene, it's like it's the first thing in the movie where it's like you've actually made the right choice in this one. Just get yeah, out. And I don't. I. I still. I. You know. And the, this is the thing you get with. An epic of this length. When you when you yes. up, when you're pushing three hours, there are a lot of avenues. There's you know from mm. the Wayne Grow as a serial killer to all these various little things we can go to. Yes, mm. even Van Sant is yeah. really like one of those avenues avenue. to go and explore. An mm. This is one that doesn't like her running up the hill and it turning into a kidnapping is. A little melodrama that I find is a bit at odds with the rest of the I get time. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just and I sit there going. That doesn't feel like I know. I know this this downhill this downhill slide is all the various snaps of the discipline. Yes, but this one just doesn't feel. It's so at odds with the Macaulay thing of like. Yeah, this always yeah. reeks of desperation. Like, oh, he doesn't that. No, but why but, does he want her so badly? Just because it's a girl who. But I think it, I think is so good. This is the tension. This is what that's great. It's all this is fa- like fantasy Neil and real Neil who we know like the discipline mm-hmm. Neil and I think that this is why I like this and this is like someone talked about like Michael Mann having a style similar to um, it was Brendan Hodges um, in, in a, a, an episode that you guys would have heard a couple of episodes ago um, a great writer from Chicago and he talked about um, him having an association between Mann and Michelangelo Antonioni and he mm-hmm. said because they both sometimes have got this amazing ability to be both like literal and metaphorical at the same time and I think what's great in the in in the context of the movie, and this is where I sort of this one where I'm going to sort of cheat a little bit and talk about another minute while we're talking about this minute. I'm going to be Neil and break my discipline. Is I always look at this refracted through that great dinner scene that happens earlier, mm-hmm. because the the pure fact of it is when we're running up to that dinner scene, what is Neil really appraising at that scene? 
He's looking around. He knows that Michael is just there for the juice. Fortunately, he, she's got a, he's got a lane. He's looking at, you know, so he's looking at Treo and um, Alice and they're like new young love, whatever. Like he doesn't care. They're just infatuated with each other. And he's looking at Chris and Charlene. Straight after the affair. Straight after. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> straight after yeah. he's orchestrated her to come back. Yeah. Straight after Chris has already been at his house in the morning mm-hmm. talking about like a massive fight. And he's out, and he knows Chris is out. Uh, and he knows Chris is out with other girls. Yeah. And he's there looking at this scene and it is a, it is as, it is as futile and fleeting as Max looking at a fucking postcard of an island in Collateral. Like, yeah. it's just a fiction. Yeah. And so it's so cool. Like, why I look at this minute, and I think this is where I've come back to, continue with this minute and the previous scene, is like, the this guy troubling. is so troubling, troublingly controlling to make sure that this vision, this fantasy comes true, that he's willing to fucking kidnap this chick in this scene. And that's why I get so, like... This is why I'm like emphatic about this scene now and why I'm growing more fond of how this construction happens is because I think Edie has to reconcile with fantasy Edie too. Like she has yeah. to go, she goes, no, yeah, yeah. She, she reconciles later and it happens in a much more overt way in other minutes. But in this minute, I like that we watch Neil stand there desperate to live fantasy instead of reality. Well, I think it's, it's yeah. 12 monkeys clip. There's, there's Melon Stowe, so there's very Cretan 12 Monkeys, which is about the Bruce Willis character, which is exactly applies to this situation, which is he lives in a meticulously constructed fantasy world, and that world's getting disintegrate right around him. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's exactly because it, it is crumbling. Yeah. I think he wants her in his life because it speaks to the power of her CD artwork as well. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's some good emerging indie yeah, bands is, in New Zealand. The digital age would go on to hit Edie quite hard. <laughs> there was some time. Her, her work's now on. But the question is then: how sure. much? How much of that goes to the blame for lack of? This is an uncomfortable topic. How much of the blame goes on Edie? In oh, this situation? I, there has to be. There, there, yeah. And I'm not. I don't want a victim shame because that's no, the worst. No, that's the worst thing. And this. And this is everything. Is kind of on fast forward in terms of she's seen the monster. Yeah. She's tried to get away. He's literally captured her back and then yeah. she's sort of got the Stockholm Syndrome has like been mm. fast forwarded up overnight. And when we started this minute, she does not look like she has slept a wink. No. Like she no. is beaten down. He's looking, he's looking frazzled as well because how are we? We're not that far from the the scene of when he's put poor Trejo out of his and that's a nighttime scene so you get the sense that they've yeah how long do we say it is since then maybe twelve about, hours or maybe not like no it's, 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 it's all that the because they go there at the, night time the, 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 the Trejo Van Zandt like if 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 Connor Ratliff yeah. who has been on the show is to be believed and his theory of this movie takes place over seven days the Trejo follow up. So leaving um, Val, um, uh, Christian Hellas at the at the veterinary clinic or whatever it is, straight that, that to Treos, straight to Treos, up to Van Zant. Yeah, calls Nate on the way to Van Zant. After he murders Van Zant, mm-hmm. he's arriving at Edie's. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is potentially maybe because the hockey's on. Yeah, so we're thinking maybe a nighttime game. So yeah. so this is possibly twelve hours later. Or yeah, this is, so this, maybe this, six, this is six a.m. This is about seven a.m. in L.A. So she six, hasn't she hasn't slept a wink because he looks like he hasn't like no, slept and, he, and he's still and he's still all over the place and he's about to send her out. And but this, he's one of those guys who be always on the you know has that kind of energy to just the keep, keep oh, you yeah. out of it. Yeah, but he this the the sort of when her, I don't know if we just let 
one piece of innuendo go through to the keepers there. I just want to make sure that when the three of us are doing a show, we can't let any of like this guy will keep you up all night stuff. Like, we can't, <laughs> we can't just let that go. Yeah, it's, it's a bit improper. <laughs> I dropped the ball, probably. I'm sorry about that. Everyone. I mean, what is happening? But this touching of the face and it's this, it's this controlling attitude, and you can tell by her yeah. body language of oh. like, I want out. I'm not. Yeah, you yeah. just got. You, yes. You, I despise you. Why are you still talk? Why? But it shows that the longer the longer you stay, mm. the more damage it's going to be done because yeah. you're going to trick yourself. Then the minute she says, like the moment she says, "Can I go later?" Yeah, it's all over. Yeah, like, yeah she's you, already making a comment there. That's you're a now, yeah. you're that's now a, a mark. Yeah, that's you know, a wrinkle. You've, that's it. You've bought it. You've yeah. bought. You've you've already put out last night that you got abused. Physical yeah. abuse, yeah. and you've already put that behind you, and and made the and the way she walks off without it's uh, without sort of the sort of like dead fish. No, but she doesn't. She doesn't like not that you would expect her to, but there's no addressing it. She no, just walks no, off and leaves it ambiguous. Yeah. And you leave, and you know you take that back to the real world. You leave a, a touch of abuse against someone ambiguous, and it goes yeah. for a couple of days and a couple of weeks. Then it happens again. That is your new reality again. Where you yeah. just live in that cycle of violence, which you Oof. would imagine that Chris and Charlene have their blues, and the other people of the crew. You get the sense that they'd have those but outbursts. That, but but, that's why, but they're all very, very different relationships. That's the whole thing that with Edie's character is that she's not only the most sympathetic, but she wears a heart on the sleeve. She's like almost naive. Oh, she's the, she's the baby, and in that's the woods. why you have the next. Ep- the next scene after this with Venora, who's the complete opposite. She is in terms a lousy, of lousy, controlling. Oh, <laughs> She's controlling she, her own stuff. But Edie, Edie's the only person, um, the well, except for maybe Natalie Portman's character. But Edie's the only partner who doesn't know what she's in. Everyone yes. else knows what they do. Oh, everyone else is, and everyone, everyone is fully aware. And everyone's made the. Yeah. She's a babe yeah. in the woods. Yeah, she and you know you really then but see how she hasn't made the conscious choice. How and quickly get she gets sucked in, which is kind of sad to see. Right yeah. down to and it, one of the best payoffs is obviously the walking away from the car. That look when De Niro mm, yes. gives her that look of like, sorry, I'm out. You and the way she sort of comes out of it like a dream. Like yes, what am I? She sort of comes to at the airport with sirens yeah. going when off and seeing in the car. But yeah, it's yeah. when people are running out of the hotel. She sort of comes to going, "What, what am, I, am I doing? Where? Like, yes. you can almost imagine her on the phone to her own mother, sort of going, <laughs> yeah. it's the dumbest thing. I know this guy's killed people. He kidnapped me, and we were going to fly to New Zealand here. Like, what? And it's what, but, but I wouldn't also wouldn't imagine her on the phone because she's betrayed like him, and she's sort of a, a loner herself. Oh yeah, you get that. But I just say like she has this sort of awakening that it, yeah, it, it's yeah, all in the that, performance because yeah. she sort of goes into the stupor here yeah. when she sort of sinks in because from here on in she's not really I think she pretends to be more engaged especially in the car like she sort of gets that like well, there's, we're going we're going but it, it there's sort of a really significant minute coming up and it's at about you know it's 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 about four minutes away when he gets um, the Jamison call mm, yeah she's still on board with there that yeah that absolutely absolutely there's like there's some significant stuff that happens where they're standing on, you know, this beautiful sort of, um, this sort of, you know, vista and the night skies lit up behind them and they're next to this really interesting tree and, and Neil's begging her. Like, it's a, it's another turning point. It's like she's she's been with him throughout the entire day. She's seen that they are, leg- you know, Neil is making all the moves to escape. It's almost like it's reaffirming all the things that right now are just completely... Mm. nothing she doesn't she's not registering any of the things that he's saying she's just like going through the motion she's in in a state of shell shock and her world's crumbling her world's crumbling too (laughs) like 
Because remember, she only thinks he's a metal salesman yes. up till this point. I mean, how are they going to find a place in New Zealand with as good a glass to stick her CD out with? Exactly. <laughs> it's just... No domain back then. You've got to do it like door-to-door. Door-to-door. Yeah. There weren't even printers in New yeah. Zealand in 95. They didn't even have light back then. <laughs> Until Weta put it in. Not many people know that. They built it from scratch. <laughs> Peter Jackson yeah. and Weta yeah. made yeah. the whole country. Yeah. 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 Oh, no. oh, no, it's... It, might be news to you, but <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, Look at that! Is actually the way this scene is shot. Aside from this shot, which we're looking at, um, most of the scene you have this bright, bright white light mm. just flooding. This is a big bay window scene. Yes, which is like almost a complete contrast to the De Niro and he's alone in the moonlight. That looks more like earlier more in the film, recent sort of Spielberg stuff. Yeah, it's like, like you know, he's, he's going on to the closest ship. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's like sort of Bridge of Spies, yeah. that yeah. sort of recent sort of really bright white. It's just flooded in light, yeah. And and in this scene, I think it's, you know, the cold, you know, this scene is, you know, if I had to name it, i call it the cold light of day scene. Like, this is mm. Neil at his very worst, and it's, it's, it's kind of like the curtain back on him, and I think that that's what... I also think it goes to adding a layer of discomfort for us, but I think it's like necessary discomfort for Neil because there's a certain extent where we're just sitting here, we've been watching this guy, we've been watching him do everything, and 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 one thing that I really like about Michael Mann actually talking about Neil is like, oh, Neil's a sociopath. <laughs> you know, oh, I want yeah. I want you to empathize. I want I want yeah. you to empathize with him because we can empathize with especially cinematic and gangster movie sociopaths. Like we sort of have an affinity with them because we can mm. understand their motivations. They protect their families. There's a lot of likable qualities in their professionalism or whatnot. But in this moment, this is like you know him with the claws in. Like like in the previous scene, it's like for me, I call it like the line in the gazelle. It's like literally like this nocturnal attack. Like she runs away, she's flailing. She's got this like fur like hair that's flailing in the wind, and he run, mm. they run through tall bending grass, like Maliki grass. But I think she really needs some conditioner. And <laughs> but I think as you got you've said on this, I think all sympathy for him's out the window post the yeah. heist. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're in a new reality. Oh, we're in yeah. a, we, we've redefined the reality now. We have no, like, now we want him hunted. Yes. Like we're, mm. And we look at her, especially, there's something to her performance and there's something about, she has in this the look of someone that, that sort of feeling when you, you stay up all, like all night and your, your skin almost feels taut. Yes. Like you mm. sort of feel like you don't know what it is, why you can't, your hair's a bit like, like she feels like, greasy. Yeah, yeah just everything like, doesn't. Yeah. And she's got that here where she's it's 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 not quite. It's like sort of if you've had like there's like two beers sort of buzz, that you're a bit sort of out of it. <laughs> and I know I think it's more a case of as you were saying, this is, is an indication that there's she's had previous maybe abuse and past relationships. You're right. Yeah. That. I don't know. Yeah, it's that's, why, that's why she stays. And so it's this case where she's almost automatically just. Just like switches off, like almost just. Take well, I, I, I think this is her first time. I think she's really? be- yeah. I think this she's bewildered. Like I don't know whether like a- Amy Brenneman actually asked Michael Mann a, a question about mm. the character originally, saying yeah. saying, "Oh, this chick's fucked up. Like, has she been abused or something as a child?" Mm. And Mann's answer was like, "No, no, no. She just loves him." And so I think that maybe she's maybe that feels un- a bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, but but maybe like he's he's conception of the character was that no this is like a lonely person who's come from out of town this is yeah. like the most LA this transient town brings in yes, people true, from, yeah. from like backwater towns to can't town. make connections she's desperate plus yeah, she's yeah. coming from a very artsy she's coming from an educated arts background yes yeah. and they had a somewhat of a like a romantic meet cute 
as well. Mm. Like in terms of... Lady. What's lady. It, what's it to you? <laughs> what do you care about what I'm reading yeah. or what I do? It's like the most gruff Nancy Myers movie. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, the... Oh, fucking bring on 20 gruff Nancy Myers movies. <laughs> but like, she's... All of them with Keanu Reeves winning at the end. <laughs> they're trading, they're trading, like, she's... You get the sense that she's had thought way more about Neil because he doesn't even know she exists till... Cause yeah, he, yeah. In you, that scene... She he, is more invested in the relationship. Well, she, mm. he cocks a look when she says, I've seen you. Where? Where Where have you seen me? She's she's clocked him before he's clocked her. Mm. Yeah. So she's already built up somewhat oh, he's of cute. a... Yeah, she's built up somewhat of a, a, a feeling towards him, even if it's yeah. friendly or whatnot. And that's why she makes the sort of first move. See you in the store from time. Yeah. Hello. All right. <laughs> <laughs> <Those> metal books. Fills <laughs> out those trousers quite nicely. But yeah, so you get the that for her. Pocket, yeah. Well, she, yeah. So she gets all that part, then she it's gets that Thompson in your How good's their pocket. first date as well? Yeah. Their first date goes from like, you know, drink having putting weird cream in your coffee that happens to be on a, just a, on a weird bench somewhere. Into a dinner, yeah. into drinks, into and then into cream and coffee, yeah, yeah, into <laughs> an origami napkin. But this is quite the this is quite the shock when you know she's probably still dealing with the heist as well. Yeah, yeah. I think she, she's real. Like uh, I think yeah. it can never be understated. I think this is a great you know opportunity when you're recontextualizing a movie like 24 years after. It's like we're so goddamn accustomed to like whole news channels and every outlet has a 24 hour something something something. And right now, this is like when it exists. Like this is when it came into it. it, it essentially just came into fruition at this time. And so it's like this twenty-four-hour news cycle. How much that would batter your psyche to see someone who you've had a fantasy about, and they're literally living out a fantasy life, and then you're watching them be a murderer and a bad guy. But also, there's no real. Just to refresh my memory. There's no way that she's no. She knows what's happened. He hasn't. She just hasn't seen him in days. Yeah, but she doesn't really... She, he hasn't even... He hasn't even... He said, I'm going to go away soon. She watches on the news. She's at home in her studio, isn't she? Yeah, so yeah. The, the, the context setting scene pre-heist, there's, this, there's three great cutaways. Remember, does she put it to him that he's actually involved? Why does she run from memory? He what? walks in and she goes... Was that you? Was that... She's like... Was that you? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, was that you? Like she, she, she can't even believe that it's him. Yeah. And he goes, "I'll tell you what, I don't do. I don't sell medals." <laughs> <laughs> what an asshole! Like, <laughs> a dick listen, move. Listen, I have to clear something. <laughs> <laughs> I know you might be wondering what this is going to do to my medal sales once word of this gets out. <laughs> I'm just going to put your mind at ease. I don't do that. I don't sell medals. Oh, I'm so good. I'm so glad Mr. Johnson down at the metal store would have been so disappointed when he found out about this. Yeah, so I just... I, I, don't, I don't like him in this scene, especially no. making the... Like, the hands... Bridging the, the gap, that yeah, physical... Yeah. Because it, the way he's touching her, it's a very tender, caressing sort of way. And it's instantly bringing those hooks are going Yeah, the in. hooks. Yeah. Because she... Like from it's un- very uncomfortable. Well, the thing. first question is, when is this over? Yeah, and then it's like, oh, baby, okay, all right. When can I go? Can I go later? And in that, in just that simple, like simple writing of like, we've now moved. You're now back but in also the, she, in the cage. I think one thing we need to talk about is like he's occupying her space. He's yes. essentially oh, using yes. this as a like as a safe house yeah. because no one knows about their relationship. So yeah. it's like you can go now. But you get the sense that he's not leaving that house. She's going to run errands or whatever. He's not leaving that house until he has to go to Nate's. Yeah. yeah. But as kidnappings go, but that's in your not- own house <laughs> yeah. is the most convenient. <laughs> like, 
home court. Certainly keep it most docile. Or home court advantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would have loved the Home Alone-esque spin-off. <laughs> but that's not a surprise for him at all. No. In terms of his character. No. Doing that. He uses, you know, he basically exploits every avenue he does. And well, he doesn't have anyone over to the beach house. No. Surely. No, There's no, no furniture. No. Except for Chris. <laughs> yeah. What's he going to give? Like, he's going to make coffee. It's, it's, it's just, but it's her, though. It's like... I I know a bunch of people who work as graphic designers and shit in Los Angeles and stuff. If he was coming into that door, they would have said, "Get the fuck out of my house." <laughs> well, that's 2019. Bro. No, no, I'm talking about people like you know from back then. In the words of Dave Chappelle, gay people are really brave, like way braver than straight white. <laughs> oh, people. I'm talking about like, some chicks I know in Los Angeles too. Yeah, it's like nothing, nothing. No one has more mental fortitude than a young gay man, especially a young gay designer. Get the fuck out of my house! They're like brave as shit. A kick out of bank robber. I would have gone. He's never painted her... There's one thing I do like. She's not meek. No. Oh, I don't, I, I don't know if I agree with that. Really? I I just think, a little bit, yeah. I, I don't think she's... Bit. I think it's just... I don't think it's necessarily in because of what he's... Because how does it... I mean, he writes... In terms of how he writes female characters, that's a good question. Well, I don't think he's... He writes so, so, like, meek, meek, like, literal definition is, you know, sort of quiet and gentle... And it easily imposed on. So the the, the challenge. Now take that back. Yeah. Maybe she's very meek. No, so, I don't know. So, I no, just, but the challenge is she's not weak, but she is. Yeah, I would. Say I said weak. weak. <laughs> you said. Oh yeah, you said. Go 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 you got your M and W's around. I don't know what you. I don't know what you're hearing. I clearly said no. But I there's just maybe something about that. The fact that she does try to run as well. Her first instinct is one to try and and she's saying, "When can I go?" So she does have. She does have a some. That's what I mean. She has agency. some agency in that sense. She's so she's not just sitting there going, "Okay." But is like, But aren't the best abusers the best thing like that? That they oh, make, the they make the victim think they have agency. Well, exactly. They, they, well, they they keep them, yeah. yeah, he's saying you you go. You've got yeah. a choice. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like clean up, go home. Like you've got a choice, but she doesn't have a choice. We're beginning. I mean, I've heard just for our work purposes. You know, people I've been watching this. Uh, the Jacko doco is called Leaving Neverland about Michael Jackson's thing, and it's all about how pedophiles and that kind of stuff and that kind of things were using they weren't using threats or anything like that it was all about emotional dependence codependency and all these sort of tactics in terms on of off the back of the grooming and everything yeah like all the that. grooming stuff yeah. and going into the details of that sort of stuff and you can see actually far more looking insane. back at you know look at the heat and some of it you see it's not, not about pedophiles of course but about controlling within any sort of relationship and the power dynamic and not that sure. kind of stuff and totally applies in this case on yeah. the limited scope that we have of the film mm. Edie doesn't have anyone else everyone else uh, has like everyone else Justine has her she's got Ralph or she's got other things all the other wives have mm. their own distractions and whatnot. Mm. she doesn't have anything like every time we see her she's yes, but it's also a, perched up in the house yeah. and he's calling her she's there but I think it also, but it's also you, a big mistake to assume that someone who chooses to live, like, live alone or that's oh, no, not is so. immediately like, emotionally weak or, oh like, no 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 not saying that I think she's just completely uh, I wouldn't I don't know if it's caught by surprise but I think it's just completely blindsided and she's just reeling I think she's kind of emotionally off balance and I think that you guys both we, you know we just talked about it I think Stu actually said the words of like you feel like she comes out of a dream as this progresses as 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 the the as, she's believing the lie of Neil being willing to escape oh because it's and, absurd be, yeah it's the absurdity of but she's be, she's believing the lie but it's a nice fantasy also I guess yeah oh, she's believing the fantasy she's believing the lie because they're heading to the airport they're doing the thing they're talking mm. to Nate on the phone it's all happening and even on the pit stop 
I, I think she doesn't quite know what the hell's going on because she because you know if you're listening on the other end of the phone, there's nothing in the car that says yes, I'm going to kill this person. Nate mm-hmm. goes, you are. So I got to tell you that guy who asked for us in the so and so hotel, um, you know, under the name Jameson, and and he's like, yeah, and he, you see him going through his own like you know uh, realization moment and determination moment. It's another you know really impactful moment in the film, and when he actually does that like you said that's when almost the veil comes off like when he pulls that car off and she's like where are we going he's like oh, I just gotta make a pit stop I'll, I'll make time but do you think there was any before this scene do you think from her there was any level of willful blindness no at all oh no sorry like she's willfully like just living in fantasy land yes as soon as she no. says no no but is she willfully ignoring sort of the signs of other people. Well, go, it comes like, oh, and oh, goes. Oh, oh. I don't get to see. Yeah, 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 the thing of the conversations, that kind of thing. No, I think in the first, um, so their first couple of times, they're just like hot dates, you know, whatever. Couple of like essentially two one night stands in a row. Well, like you don't need to get to know. Them. And remember, don't underestimate how much he's putting on the mysterious. He's got the mystique mm. happening as well, where you don't get a sense. He's all wanting to know about her. Yeah. Yes. Where are you from? Where are your family? And she goes, she's asked him, he's like, oh, what a brother I don't see anymore, family. You know, yeah. she's a bit older. Why is she going to question, you know, yeah. he's not readily... Yeah, as long as he just doesn't end up like, you know, Jackie L. Haley and little children. He ends yeah. yeah. like but, uh, masturbating in the car. But I think what you say is like having the fantasy versus reality. I think so many times man skillfully breaks the fantasy, mm-hmm. even of like cops and robbers. Yes. So we see the other side of the cops. We see in the first heist mm. like the breaking of the fantasy is the killing yes yeah. the, this thing is going beautifully and mm. then break reality here's <laughs> yeah. a gun what do you want to fuck with me and then we go all those like sort of you know there's, and there's well, we really, get broken into reality by Wayne Grove's fucking kill fantasy yeah, exactly <laughs> you know there's the just because one man can't keep it in his pants it's well, always exactly. the way there's a few like that there's a few like seeing how the like even the heist itself mm. does that and when the cops start getting killed be like mm. when Bosco gets shot. You're like, oh, when you oh. see his death mask, that is a wake up. But call. you're like, oh wait, mm. that's right. We're not, we're not just riding in saving the day. They're, this thing bites back. Yes, and that, and that it shatters that fantasy. We see, you know, mm. someone's got to go tell his wife. Yes, you mm. know, there's, and this is just another fantasy breaking where she's sort of coming to. Justine's is a bit as well. I think Justine's is the conversation. Is the rough after? No, I think it's the breaking. Is the Oh, the conversation, the conversation when, after dinner when he was meant to go yeah. home. That's her. That's her realization when that wall's coming all in. Mm. Can I? Can we just talk about like from a formal oh. from a formal standpoint, yes. um, the body language oh. of, oh. The, of the disgust of, of the disgust of him reaching oh. out to kiss her thirty eight seconds into this minute and her pulling away and then oh. him leaning his head towards it and her just jarring her head to the side and her, her face looks like he's a corpse. Oh, it is yeah. an absolutely, utterly perfect performance. Well, from it a- is that Rayner. kind of... And like, she, she stands up and she's, again, the second so time... A, you know, it's a boy, yeah. And around this time, when was something like Once Were Warriors? That would have been early, early Once 90s. Warriors, like 92, I think. Yeah, so that's when we had... Real, obviously, visceral domestic violence on screen, yeah. but at times we saw. Well, they wouldn't know. Uh, 94, 94, very saw, close. We it was saw, a 1990 novel it was based on. And we yeah. saw Morning After yeah. when Jake would come into the kitchen, like the whole eggs situation. Yes. But her, the, his partner in that, would have that, like, you did, like, there is that same sort of look. And, I, and obviously, the, the, the violence in one is 
so much worse than this. That yeah. He's only sort of tackled her and brought... But he still kidnapped her or detained yeah. her. Yeah. Detained her. But that look of just how much he conveys so well. <laughs> I mean, or like... On a, on our podcast, we're always looking, always looking at like great podcasts. Thank you, Cinephiles. Cinephiles. Um <laughs> Both Garth and I have guested on Stu's show. He, um, he frequently cheats on the show by coming on this one. We look at we look at the actresses that didn't get their time. We so many times we see the the, the, the male counterparts that probably got more of a career than they deserved, and they got seven or eight bites at the cherry to make it work. Yeah, whereas women don't. Amy yeah. Brennan, you always go, wow, did we see her enough? Did we see... Like, well, she went to television yeah, and she became did, uh, a self-produced... She, she would pop up in different things. She was in that Stallone movie, Daylight, which was actually not that bad. Um, and NYPD Blue was the big thing. Yeah, but you feel like... NYPD Blue and then she did Judging Amy where she was a yeah. producer and made a monster for oh, many Oh, sure, years, but so. just the, you feel like this performance is just could have been more look of at like Ashley Judd look at, yeah. like, look at Ashley Judd as well Diane Venora is the one that went along but you get people like Amy Brenneman and you get people like Ashley Judd and you're like where the hell did you go I even say people and not to go way off it, but someone like a Sharon Stone didn't quite get the, the like some big high points oh, but, but didn't the, quite get the, like this like the, they were very I mean of the, of the, of the, of the three sort of female leads Judd I mean Judd was a juggernaut back in the late 90s she yeah. was a she would open movies oh double jeopardy yeah. time things like, oh, kiss, kiss the, the girls, girls. Yeah. Yeah. she was big she and was, then obviously we know now yeah. what that she's gone that the well there yeah, things happen in that kind yeah. of the wine scene so yeah not, not pretty but yeah I just feel like that is such a gripping way she just portrays that from the look down all that to the storm out and just to leave him and I love this because we're like 11 seconds to go in this minute and man leaves us with Neil like standing so if we talk about Neil looking out to these beautiful vistas and you know looking out to the beautiful water right now he's got the LA skyline the smog the smog, sort of, the, yeah. the smog covered <laughs> that's, that's real LA skyline this is real LA like un, un, unceremonious like LA skyline and he's there sort of standing there and he's not looking out to the sublime right now. He's looking inward. He's inside the fishbowl. He's looking back at this domesticity. He's looking back at sort of I mean, this someone is, being this disgusted with him. And he looks said this is on Sunset Plaza. This is, you know, this is now prime real estate territory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he looks... Manola Dargas put it best in, I think it was the 60th minute we talked about, you know, you know, if we're talking about man and this movie being really authentic and then we, we got to discussions about Edie's house and she said, oh... We allow some directors their fantasies. Yeah, the real estate fantasy is. Yeah, yeah, she said, she had, well, <laughs> I was listening to it before, and she has the excuse it's like an old house that needs work, and that's yes. why she can afford having this, yeah. like, you know, great place in Los Angeles. I can't stress how good the artwork was. <laughs> Just a few CD covers, and you've made it, baby. You've made it. But this is the first time we see Neil really shocked. Yes. He's not in control. No. He's, uh, you know, apart from being a kidnapper, but he, mm. he just feels like she's... It's not the same disciplined guy we've become accustomed to in this movie. tie off. We usually have the... Yeah. yeah. It's, it's him standing there. What a minute. What mm. a place to do some writing. Why don't you have mm. a place like that? I do have a place like that. <laughs> it's just like, you know, look at the sea, look at the ocean. Okay. <laughs> okay. Get a place in LA. Like that. <laughs> That'd be nice. I'd come I looked at, There's one place I looked at, like, around that area that actually looked really nice. I wanted to get it, and the trouble is it cost me $4.3 million. I don't have that money. Yeah, but oh. that's in, like, 95 money. No, <laughs> you get that for a steal. That's a cool seven. <laughs> that's a cool seven. <laughs> I don't know where. A couple more appearances on this show. Uh, is, there, is, there any, is there any Highline burglaries around Gus area that have mystified us? Because I don't know if he's going to get that cheeky seven mil US to buy this house. Well, the other, the other big thing is that is the running scene before because 
I have, I've had a, actually a friend, a couple of friends who live up in that area. So this is the Hollywood Hills above the Mulholland and looking down. Please tell it. me they reenact it just on weekends. <laughs> you got the whole thing is they always say anyone who lives up in the area, you do not go running on those hills and those grasses because it's like it is so geologically unstable. Ah. It is so you know cause it's just basically just loose dirt, alluvial dirt, or just crumble under ah. your like quicksand. There's like so many things living in little like scrubs and brushes and snakes and, and you just make like just, lawyers and stuff no <laughs> like, yeah. you basically don't go outside your fence house yeah that's why you have if a you gated, do you go out on the road that's why you have a gated community it sort of like keeps all the riffraff out <laughs> uh, no it's a it's an interesting little minute I, it's yeah I'm not and up that way you also have what they call the cum trees oh I'm sorry mm, there are trees I don't know what kind it's like some sort of exotic flower uh, that blooms every spring but it smells like Freshly produced semen. Sure, sure. <laughs> you just drive past it. For a couple of this blocks. is it, a it, fact it, I was it, not just, expecting. It is an unusual thing. You walk past, you're like, "Whoa!" Oh. <laughs> Someone's having fun. <laughs> well, that's one reason to it's this sort of minute. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. This minute took a turn. Yeah, that in was... the end, and Stu's wiping his eye right now, and <laughs> I really don't know where to take that. <laughs> We're not going to take it anywhere. No, We're going to no. leave it right there. <laughs> just leave that. We're going to leave that lingering in the air. I'll look up the name of that flower for a few minutes. Maybe that's the look on Neil's face at the moment. Maybe he's just caught a whiff of that coming (laughs) off the breeze as he's going. Out of the smog. So from out of the smog to into the smog, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of One Hit Minute. My wonderful guests, um, Stuart Coote, Garth Franklin, have joined me once again. Garth Franklin, the oldest running and highest integrity movie news website on the internet. Dark Horizons. Go there every day, multiple times. Our, our site is the inverse of that. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, here it is. What Down is the it? tree. Down sure. the tree. It's yeah. called the Ornamental Pear Tree. Oh, we're going on with this. Calary <laughs> Pear. We're going deeper. No. Calary Pear sure. tree in the US. Sure. Yeah. Well, there we go. But it's, 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 funnily enough, it's an Australian tree. Go oh, to show. Oh, there Australian. you go. Australian spreading company all over yeah. Los Angeles. Have happens. you done a little self-edits to the wiki page? <laughs> <or> <laughs> Just in recent updates. That was the, fast, that was the fastest self-edit of a wiki page I've ever seen. Um, Shuku, in your home come the monkeys. Oh, yeah. Shuku, guys, as you know, because you've listened to the show before, and if you haven't, welcome. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Um, but uh, Shu is one third of the tripod of the Cinephiles podcast with Josh and Liam. It is an absolute ball. These guys go through their cinematic sins um, uh, for a whole stack of different movies, and I've heard it teased that I may be doing an appearance on a future episode of... Recapping Blown Away, starring Tommy Lee Jones yes. and Jeff Bridges. <laughs> yes, a film that I brought to Stu's sloth attention. Sloth for me. Sloth. So, yes. Sloth has never yeah. seen it. Ah, okay. I haven't seen it, but I'm not sure if it quite gets over the hurdle of classic, but I'm happy to come Best movie on. made. Best movie made best. in 94. Don't at me. I was so angry. I mean, it got described to me as if... Tommy Lee Jones survived under siege. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Actually, that's true. That actually fits the description. And I am so in. <laughs> yes. It's, a, it's, it's good. And also inherited Richard Gere's terrible Irish accent from The Jackal. Um, <laughs> or Brad Pitt's from Devil's Own. Yeah. Yes. The Jackal. So, so ladies and gentlemen, this, this has yeah. been another episode of One Heat Minute with these two maniacs. And it's been an absolute pleasure having you along. Um, I can thank him in person, Garth Ranklin, for our web design. Uh, Mr. Paul Davies, thank you for our theme. And thank you guys for listening. And uh, you can go now. You can go. I'm going to let you go, but I don't know if I'm going to let you go later. 